Mark 5, verse 21. When Jesus had crossed over again, the, the title is Gates of Pearls. When Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him, and so he stayed by the seashore. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up and on seeing him fell at his feet. I know you guys are familiar with some of these passages because you've heard it preached before, but I'm going to give you some new revelation. Excited? And implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. My little daughter, please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. In the Greek, uh, little daughter means a daughter that's about to come into womanhood, so about 12 years old. And he went off with him, and a large crowd was following him and pressing on him. Everybody say pressing. That means in the Greek, pressing. <laughs> they were crowding, thronging, touching him like a celebrity. A woman who had hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. So if she presumably started the womanly cycle and becoming a woman at the age of 12, notice a girl's about to die at the age of 12. This woman started at the age of 12, and for 12 years, she bled. 24 years. The average age of life in that time was about 36. She's already lived three quarters of her life. And had endured much at the hands of many physicians, and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak, for she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. Immediately, the flow of blood was dried up. Everybody say immediately. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. She felt it. Immediately, Jesus perceived in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth. Jesus felt the power come out of him. I just want you to focus on that turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, um, sir, there's many people touching you because they're pressing. In the Greek, it means pressing Jesus. <laughs> and you say, who touched me? <laughs> and he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what happened to her, came and fell out before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. And then while he was speaking, they came from the house of the synagogue official saying, your daughter has died. I just want you to imagine this picture. A lot of people have asked me, like, how do you read the Bible? I want to read the Bible like you. Well, you have to meditate. Meditation is not just reading the words. Like getting yourself into the situation. I put myself in the situation of the woman, of Jairus, the daughter. Like, what are they thinking? Jairus is waiting. He's like, just hurry up. Can you just hurry up? Move the crowds. Can you just hurry up? My daughter's about to die. If you come, she will be healed. He had faith enough that if Jesus came, that his daughter would get well. But then on the way, because this woman interrupted his plans, his plan was thwarted. I don't know about you, but I think I'll be pretty pissed. <laughs> Excuse my language, but yes, I wouldn't be irritated. I wouldn't be, uh, <laughs> my wife knows, I'm just. 
I want things to go my way, especially when I'm traveling internationally. I want things to go my way. You understand? Things go wrong. We miss a flight. I'm stuck in like whatever, whatever, whatever country for 24 hours. You understand? Get out of my way. Do it right. <laughs> Do it right. Even at Chipotle yesterday, I was like so hungry. I didn't, my kids didn't even feed me all day. I was just like a slave working in the, and then they're like, there's no food, nothing, nothing. They're like, that's okay. He's big enough. He'll take, he's going to eat himself. I don't know what he was doing. I was so hangry. Seven o'clock. I'm like, finally, my legs are shaking. I'm so hungry. We're at Chipotle. Zach's just like talking to me. I'm like, stop talking. I'm so tired. And we're at Chipotle. And the girl did not understand the difference between a bowl and a salad. Bowl and a salad. I said, Salad, and I said, forget the salad. I said, I want a bowl. And then she kept putting lettuce, and I said, where's the rice? And then I said, usually in a bowl, there's rice. And Zach's like, you're so mean. I'm like, I didn't say it mean. I just told facts. I just want things. Come on, everybody. Everybody wants things their way. They have a plan. And when somebody disrupts that plan, you get pretty pissed. Amen to that. No, don't say amen. That was a trick. Don't say amen to that. <laughs> you guys could tell I'm tired, right? Usually my best sermons come when I'm exhausted. But Jesus, overhearing what was spoken, said to the synagogue official, Do not be afraid any longer. Only believe. And he allowed no one to accompany him except Peter and James and John, brother of James. And they came to the house of the synagogue official, and he saw the commotion, people loudly weeping and wailing. And entering in, he said to them, Why make such a commotion and weep? The child does not die, but is asleep. They began laughing at him. They went from crying to laughing. But putting them all out, he took along the child's father and mother and his own companions into the room, took the child by the hand, and said, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl got up, began to walk, for she was 12 years old. 12 years old. Oh, I don't know, I was just really meditating on this this week. And I don't know, I'm just going to be all over the place, just like last week. You guys got to help me, Amen. Last week, I was all over the place, but people were like, that was a pretty good sermon. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, maybe I found a secret. <laughs> just kind of get really tired and just kind of start talking. I just wanted to just really focus on the fact that we have facts and we have truth. There's clear facts. The girls died. There's a delay. Mm -hmm. Jairus is upset. He's nervous. Mm -hmm. A woman has been suffering for 12 years. Mm. I don't know if you know what 12 years is. That's 4,383 days. 144 months. 624 weeks. 105,192 hours quarantined. <laughs> we were complaining about two years. This woman could not even go out to the grocery store out without. She was isolated not only in her room, but she was isolated from society. She could not go out and touch people. 
That's 12 years. That's the facts. Sometimes we feel like facts are truth. Facts are not truth. Facts are just things that are evident, but there is a greater truth. We cannot surrender ourselves to facts. We surrender ourselves to truth. Yes, there's facts, but truth overrides facts. Can I hear an amen? Twelve years. Twenty-four years of her life, she's almost at the point, like she's lived all her life suffering. And it's reasonable, based on the facts, for her to be bitter. She's tried everything. She tried any and everything possible called the Pharisees, called the doctors, did everything that they recommended, spent all her money to heal herself, but nothing worked, and she even got worse. How many guys feel like sometimes you try every single thing out there and it, nothing works? You're feeling sad and you try every single therapy concoction book. You try everything and things don't seem to work. And you're suffering. Everywhere you go, you have relational issues, and you're like wondering, what's going on? And you've tried everything. You've gone to counseling. You've done everything. You spent a lot of money. You spent a lot of resources, and nothing, nothing is working. And so you feel like you can get, based on the facts, it's reasonable for her to be angry and bitter. Amen? I don't know. I think, it, I think it's reasonable. When my father died, was about to die. We still believed to the last minute. I was praying for his healing until his last breath. Because that is what I'm called to do. I would say, Dad, can I pray for complete healing to your body? He's like, yes. Then we would pray. He would grab my hand. And then he, got, he didn't get healed. The, those are the, the facts is he was cancerous and had cancer all over his body. And it's reasonable for me to be angry about that. And the doctor said, it's reasonable for you to not take any treatment because the cancer is so overwhelming. It, nothing is going to really work. But you can try chemo, and, but you, have, like, your, you can extend your life for a couple of weeks. And, I, and they said, it's re and my dad said, I don't want any chemo. And so the doctor, and I've had doctors tell me this, it's reason that sounds reasonable. Do you guys, you guys understand what I'm saying? So we live in a world where we live by reason and ration and we think it's reasonable to be angry. It's reasonable to be sad. It's reasonable to be depressed. You don't know what's happened to me. It's reasonable. It's rational. But we're not called to live reasonable lives. We are called to live lives with our minds renewed based on the truth of God that transcends reason and ration. I don't know. This, this is the secret to a life that transcends this world. That you will, you will bind things in heavenly realms. The only way to do that is to transcend 
the facts here. Yes, there's facts. I am not stupid. I understand what's happening. I understand that I have sickness. I understand there's things going on in my life. But it's, and it's reasonable. It's reasonable for me to succumb to that and say yes. It's reasonable for me to be sad. It's reasonable. I'm going to comfort you. It's reasonable that you're angry. It's reasonable. It's, I'm not saying that we shouldn't comfort each other. But as a believer, as a believer, there's always truth. Why don't you just touch Jesus like everyone else was touching? Everyone was around. They were all touching, but the power did not come out of him for everyone that touched him. He's not like a magic, like electric socket. You just touch it, you get electrocuted. It's not that. <laughs> have you ever been electrocuted? <laughs> I have twice. Because <laughs> I'm stupid. I was trying to change a light bulb. You know that old joke? I don't know that there's a joke, Asian guy trying to change a light bulb or something. <laughs> In my Italian house, I was trying to change a light bulb, and there was something like some kind of wire or something. And then you're supposed to turn off the electricity. I did not. And I touched it. Do you know what it feels like? All your bones are clattering like this for like a few seconds. And then I was on the couch going like this. My wife came down and said, what's wrong? I almost died. <laughs> I almost, my heart, I think, stopped. <laughs> she just looked at me like, what's wrong with you? I should have learned because when I was a kid, I put a fork in the, <laughs> fork in the, like, the toaster and then <laughs> I got electrocuted. Sometimes we, we think Jesus is not an electric socket. You just plug in and it like, I just touch. And there has to be some, there's a touch that draws out God's power. Everyone was touching Jesus. But the, the, the touch of this bleeding woman, there was something special about this woman that touched the cloak of Jesus, the outer garment, his talith, which is his prayer shawl. And the prayer shawl that had these four tassels, and the tassels symbolized the law and the truth. So this woman, when she touched it, she had a focus, and she touched the prayer shawl, the truth, and she was saying, I am going to deny my facts and hold on to truth. Come on. We get discouraged after a month. I try to get a job for a month. I'm just, I don't know. That's the facts. Maybe I'm just stupid. I'm facts. Maybe. Yeah, those are the facts right now. But the truth is God has anointed you and gifted you and invested into you talents, giftings purpose and a destiny according to the truth. Are you going to hold on to facts or are you going to hold on to truth? Come on, somebody. And so this woman, when she touched her, she's like, by, by the way, she's breaking quarantine laws. I'm just, I'm just wondering. She's like, she's touching everybody. People are crowding and she's like, you have to touch. And she's breaking every law and she's saying, I don't care. I don't care about all these laws right now. I am so desperate because she still believed. 24 years and she still believed. 12 years of trying everything and she still believed. And she could have succumbed and said, maybe this is the will of God for my life. She said, hell no.
Hell, no. I refuse to live on this earth as if hell is encroaching my life. My calling is to live as if heaven is encroaching my life. No matter what the facts say, I will continue till my last breath to hold on to the truth that I am a daughter of God. And Jesus says, this daughter, because she knew her place in the kingdom, she drew something out. You can only remind somebody of what they promise if you trust in their character. I don't know if you guys heard what I just said. She was, she was, when she was holding, she was like, you know that thing you're wearing? That truth, I'm holding, I'm claiming that for myself. You know this Bible that I read? All this is for me. Just pulling down truth. And the only people who love this Bible are people who trust in the character of God. You're looking for some precepts and good things to do. Just read the Proverbs and what can I do for my life? You will not love the Bible. But if you trust in the nature and the character of God, a, a father who is good, you trust every word despite your facts. <sighs> you can only remind somebody of what they promised if you trust in their character. Like, my kids remind me of things that I promised them years ago. They still, my son, I don't know if he doesn't bring it up as much, but till like, I don't know, last year, he still brought up the toy airplane model that I bought for him, and I said, son, we will do this together. And he was like, so excited. I bought it, and I said, I used to do this with my dad. I'm going to do it with you. He's like, like a little kid going, mommy, look what we're going to do. We're gonna. And every time, he's waiting for me, like, he's waiting. And then I'm so, tomorrow, next year, next year. And then it collected dust, and I'm such a bad father. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I've apologized to you a thousand times. I love you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I won't make it up to you. I bought you a car. <laughs> does, that, does that offset? <laughs> Toy model car? Which you named? <laughs> Anyways, but they still remind me. They're like, Dad. And my, my, my wife's like, you can still do it, you know. You can. Right now? He's old. I don't know. Like, but they still remind me. Like, my daughter has no problem reminding me. Remember you promised that you're going to do this for me? Remember? She's very, she's not demanding. She's just saying, this is what you said, and I'm, I am reminding you of what you said. How many guys remind God of what he said? I don't know. Let me ask you guys. How many guys remind God of what he said? Joyce is like, I don't remind him of anything. <laughs> he knows all things. Uh, God knows all things. It's not that he forgot. He wants to see if you understand his nature. He wants to know if you trust his character, that he's a good God. If you feel like he's not going to do it, he's going to get angry at you, like, why are you asking me? 
Do you understand? If you understand this nature, you keep pressing. You never, you keep knocking. You never, ever, ever, ever give up. Everyone has the capacity for religion to set in and make residence in their hearts. Every single person. Every single person who's a Christian could live like practically as an atheist. Amen? You can live as if God is not real in your life. Not hear his voice. Not act on his word. It's all because you don't understand who God is and you've lost hope in God. There are no hopeless situations. There's only people who've lost hope in those situations. You can keep devotion. You can keep your Christian devotion without faith. You can hope for heaven, but never hope for heaven to invade your life. You just, you, you entered Christianity, and you had hopes. You got disappointed a couple years, three years, four years, ten years. You get things have happened in your life. I'm 50. A lot of things have happened in my life. Now, I could easily lose hope in a God that will act in my life. Then I can just relegate myself to just going to heaven. I could have devotion without faith, and that's religion. You can, be, you can have the greatest admiration for Jesus. You can be the greatest cheerleader for Jesus and the kingdom on the planet Earth. That's not faith. You can come on Sundays and go, Jesus, 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 I love Jesus, and live like an atheist for your whole life. Amen? <laughs> I had a friend who was a cheerleader. Who was still is a cheerleader in our lives, right? She kind of is very cheery. <laughs> very like American cheerleader. Like she's, she thinks it's a sport. It, I, sh I should be careful. It is a sport. <laughs> it's a sport. It's a sport. <laughs> it's a sport. Yes. I know I, when I play sports, I used to just try to impress the cheerleaders, man. Maybe I can ask one of them out. That's so old school. I'm so sorry. It's so bad. <laughs> so chauvinistic. Anyway, she thought she, it was a sport. It was a sport. And she was, it is a sport. She's just, she's very like, you don't know what we had to do, like all the flips and stuff. And she's very like, cheery. So. Every time I would say something good, she would be like, Yay, Steve! <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Woo! She's very excitable. Do you understand? <laughs> you guys are laughing. This is true. That's, exact. That's how I live with her. I met her in seminary. That's how, hopefully she doesn't listen to the sermon because <laughs> she's in Vancouver. Hi, <laughs> oh, Steve. You're that was so amazing. Oh. It's like cheerleader. Do you understand? You can do that every Sunday for the rest of your life and live practically as an atheist and not allow God to invade you 
invade your life because you lost hope in God who can invade your situation. Because you've succumbed to facts and have not held on to the truth. Oh, man, I thought that was good. I had to do that all in one breath. Let that sink in for a bit. The Bible can be an instrument of oppression. If you, lost, if you lose hope in God, the Bible can be an instrument of oppression because it's just rules, doctrines, things that you've got to memorize and do, verses to memorize. I believe in memorizing verses. I believe in all those things, but it's born out of a hope, a real anticipatory hope. This woman, at the end of her life, she still believed. That's why... You guys know my story. That's why I hold on. Every day you just grab hold. She was not holding on to the truth of God. She was holding on to the God of truth. It's not just enough to know the truth. It's no, you got to know the God of truth. Who is he in my life? How good is he? How good are you? I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Sometimes we think that we'll see the goodness of God after we die. His will is that we see heaven on earth in our lives, the goodness of God here and now. See, I'm almost done. The parable of the sower, the sower sows the seeds, right? Rocky soil, hard soil. You guys know the parable of the sower. Just spreading it around. In the ancient times, they plowed after the sowing. In our times, we plow and then we seed. But in, in those times, it just plowed, and then they plowed the ground. Jesus, there's nothing wrong with the seed. It's who will plow. I don't know if somebody... <laughs> nothing wrong with the seed. They've actually found the seed in Egypt that was 3,000 years old, put it in the ground, plowed the ground, watered it, and it grew. Nothing wrong with the seed. Nothing, nothing wrong with this word. Nothing wrong with the truth. It's who will plow. And those people who actually plow understand the nature of God. Then despite what I'm going through, he's still good. And he will somehow work it out. This life is not just about me. There's something about this life. What I'm going through, he's going to work it out for some purpose. This woman, she suffered all these years. Why? You could say, why? Why? And you can get bitter and you will never have her answer, but you can change and flip the question from why to who. Who is in front of me? Who is before me? Who is God? I don't ask why. I say who. And because she understood his nature, she persevered, persevered and persisted and grabbed hold of truth and power came out of her. She's like, whoa, somebody pulled the power from me. 
I don't know if you're understanding. That kind of faith pulls the heavens from the heavenly realms into the earth. They pull it down. That's the kind of faith God is like surprised by what in the world this bleeding woman. Look at all you guys. Look at this bleeding woman. You guys ostracized her. You used the word to oppress her. And she's still not bitter. She still believes. You guys are just curious. This woman <laughs> believes. Why? Jairus. I'm going to end soon. Jairus is like, come on, Jesus, can you move out of the way? I'm important. I give a lot of money to the synagogue. I, he's going to do anything. He's going to do it for me. And the woman, he's like ticking away. What, what's with this woman? Come on. Okay, you got healed. Okay, go, go away. Let's go, Jesus. And then, oh, it's too late. My daughter died. Ah. Maybe Jesus already knew that this would combust in this moment. Twelve years old. Twelve years combustion. There's no coincidence in the Bible. As she received life, she was the testimony or the point of reference for this man to have greater hope. You see, Jairus didn't get bitter either. He saw that and he went, if that can happen, my daughter who's dead can be raised from the dead. You see no pr protest from Jairus. You guys following what I'm saying? Maybe the daughter was going to die anyway. And Jesus got that little delay. I'm going to show a greater faith. Yeah. Combustion. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what our actions. Jesus said, tell everybody what happened. Why? Not to embarrass her. So that she would be the access point for other people to pull heaven down. She now became the gate of pearls. <sighs> Revelation 21, 21. And the 12 gates were 12 pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the streets of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. It's talking about the heavenly city, the heavenly place. This is what our church is named after, Rain City. And 12 in the city, there's walls, and every wall had a gate. 12 of them, 12 disciples, 12 churches, the 12 tribes. It's us. And the gates, pearls. Why pearls? Because pearls are made when foreign substances enter and they release a substance to protect it. And it becomes a pearl of great price. This woman had a foreign substance enter, living in a sinful world. She was suffering, and then she pressed in. And the presence of God and the truth of God and the nature of God enveloped her. So she became this pearl of great price. And now as she became this pearl of great price, as she was holding, she was complete and she was healed. Now she became the gate to the presence of God. You understand? Jesus is the gate. But he gives us the privilege to have people access that and see a glimpse of that through our lives. Can I hear an amen? amen? So never, ever, ever underestimate foreign substances entering your life. I don't know. What, what are you guys laughing at? 
Never underestimate things that are going to enter into your life that are not from God. That irritate you. That cause disturbance. That make you uncomfortable. Suffering. I'll just say it, suffering. That's foreign things. We're not supposed to live in suffering. Paradise was perfection. Everything we're going through, this is not heaven. As they enter, are we going to succumb to it and die, or are we going to let the presence of God envelop and become that pearl? And as we shine, people can see our pearl and have an access point. That's what our testimony does. Gives people an access point. Amen? I don't know. I don't know if you guys understood. That's my word. I promised you. I end right now. <laughs> Let's stand. If you can just all close your eyes for a second. It says, Isaiah 60, 18, it says this. You shall call the walls of salvation your gates of praise. It's talking about a future city. I talked about Revelation 21, 21. We are the gates of pearl. The pearl releases the protection from bitterness and anger, succumbing to facts through praise, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the oxygen of heaven. That's what we're going to do for all of eternity. Only time you can praise and give thanks in your suffering is on this earth. There's no other. Once we die, there's no more suffering. And when you are suffering and you have things that don't go according to plan, you're suffering like this booting woman, you've gone through a lot in your life and you're suffering and whatever you're going through, is only time you can give thanksgiving in your suffering is on this earth. Amen?